We hope that if you've not voted already that you will vote. It is very, very important. This may be one of the most important midterm or even overall elections that we have seen in our lifetime. So we encourage you to, I pray almost every day for God to direct people concerning this election coming up. Pray about it. Pray about it. Ask God to direct people. Amen. Today's sermon is a very unusual sermon. I thought about calling, calling David Smith and getting him to do it because I'll guarantee you he, he knew what to say. Some of the things that is in this sermon is a little challenging, I can say. But it is one of the greatest stories in the New Testament. One of the greatest stories in the New Testament. If you do not have, is someone here to give out an outline? If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have an outline. You'll remember a whole lot more what you read than just what you hear. Let's, let's read some, if you will. And this story or this occasion is found not only in Matthew that we're going to read, but it's also found in St. Mark's writings. But we're going to read from St. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. And I want you to notice as we go through this, follow it with us. Don't count the blocks on the wall. Follow this sermon and, and let's see what it says, okay? Then Jesus went out from there. There was Capernaum. And I'll get to the reason he left there in just a moment. And he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. There is a lot about this woman that's commendable. And I'll get to that in, during about the middle part of the sermon. But I admire this woman. Now, please don't take what I'm fixing to say offensively. I was raised in church as a teenager and ever since I was nine years old where people gave in request. And every service, different ones would give in request. Most of the time, in asking for requests, some people would say, I have an unspoken request. An un... I'm not trying to be mean, okay? Understand me. Probably, or maybe there's nothing wrong with that. People beat around the bush when it comes to requests. This woman went right to the source. When Neil was on drugs, and my wife and I would go from window to window waiting for him to get home and worried and concerned and praying for him for many years. Now, I didn't broadcast it. No one likes to know that their son or grandson or whatever 
or on drugs. You just don't go around telling that. But often, I remember being in Douglasville, Georgia, Douglasville, Georgia, at Pastor Evans's church, and there were two ladies there, and my heart was so burdened, and I got time to sort of sit down with those ladies, and I asked them to pray for my son. And Marcia, I told him, hey, my son's on drugs. He's bound. He needs to be delivered. I think it's time for us to be honest. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about broadcasting things you shouldn't. <laughs> but this, this woman says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. I, I remember one part in Andy. I love Andy Griffith. I don't know if you ever watch Andy Griffith or not, but they have a frequent visitor by the name of Otis. Now, Barney was on trial, and the interrogator says, do you have a man coming in here drunk, letting himself in and out of the jail? Marty said, we, we don't see it just like that. And a lot of times we miss our blessings because we don't see it just like that. We don't own up to the truth. Now that will cost you nothing. I just wanted to throw that in. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Notice verse 23. But he answered not a word. Go on. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him. So then she comes close to him. I imagine she kneels down at his feet and worships him, saying, Lord, help me. Help me. I mean, you can sense the, the burden for that's on this mother for her daughter and what she had gone through with her daughter. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. Now those steps right there, I'd pack my bags and taken off. I would have been so highly offended. First of all, him not answering me. I come up and talk, you know, he gave her the silent treatment. And then he seemingly, seemingly insinuates that she's a dog. Follow me on. Now, let, let, me, let me say something that's important. I, I read so many writers and commentators concerning this scripture. There are some that believe Jesus was a bigot. That this proves he was a racist. He mistreated this poor Pitiful, and they over and over, scholars, well, well learned men and women said this is the way he was. This is 
One writer said she taught him something. Yeah. You're teaching the Son of God, God Almighty, something? So there were a lot of response. He just didn't say dogs. I want you to notice. He said little dogs. And she said, listen, I have, I, I don't know that there is a better sentence in the Bible than what this woman just spoke. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Wow! She was not a fan. Well, let me, let me just read it on and get to the message. Then, then Jesus answered and said to her, old woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Mark said she went home and her daughter was well lying in the bed. Father, I, I want to do justice to this sermon. I want us to learn something. I want us to glean the truth that you want to put out and display today. Speak it to our hearts as well as to our, our understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Notice the introduction following a confrontation with religious leaders. Jesus leaves Capernaum and heads north to the Gentile territory of Tyre and, and Sidon along the Mediterranean Sea. Up north. Now, the reason, one reason he left, not the reason, but one reason he left, there was this great confrontation between him and the, and the religion of the Pharisees. And it was over his disciples not washing their hands. I mean, you know, people's dying and going to hell, and you're fussing about a person washing their hands. That's about the way it is today in our society, in our culture. And Jesus was saying, it's not the outside of the cup, it's the, in, it's the heart which makes the difference. That he sought, notice what I say, that he sought a residence in which to stay. And, and Mark covers this, he went to a home. In hopes that no one could find him indicates that the purpose of our Lord was to seek some rest from the pressing multitudes and debates that he encountered. So Jesus went up north to Tyre and Sidon in the land of Phoenician, the Phoenician land. They were Gentiles. This is the first recording of Jesus going outside of Jewish territory. And so he's there to go into a house and get some rest. Now, some of the people said that he was irritated. He was tired, and he was displaying to this woman, leave me alone. That was not it at all. 
Please understand. That was not in at all. While he was there, the Bible says they could not keep it quiet. I would to God that Bethel Christian Center, 3518 Rose of Sharon Road, Durham, North Carolina, 27705, could not keep it quiet that Jesus is in this place. <laughs> David, you can't keep it quiet, can you? You had to invite somebody and say, let me tell you, the move of God is in our church. They couldn't keep it quiet. So we find that this Syrophoenician woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Notice we will look at many obstacles she had to overcome and the display of faith she exhibited. This story, this story, there's not a one of us that cannot not identify with this Syro-Phoenician. Syro meant Syria. Phoenician meant the place where she was from. Not a one of us that have not faced what this Syro-Phoenician woman faced. You ever prayed for something? And it seemed like God was silent. The heavens were brass. And you kept praying. And you said, God, I'm believing. I'm exercising faith. I'm hearing nothing. I don't feel anything. I don't see an answer. Sometimes we pray. And we feel like God is silent. Notice, first of all, the obstacle, obstacle of silence. You didn't answer me. Again, Jesus was not being cranky. He was not a bigot, nor a narrow-minded Jew. He had a reason for his reaction and actions during this story. And I hope I can do a little bit of satisfying us all and explaining what's going on with the silence. What's going on with the hymn sin is just meant for me to go to the nation of Israel, the covenant people of God. What's going on when he said it's not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs? What's happening? Why? Why the son of God? That said, are you burdened and heavy laden? Come to me, come to me. Well, here's a woman coming to Jesus and seemingly he turns her off. Wow. Then she had to put up with the unloving disciples. They didn't like it. So they told Jesus, to send her away. Can you imagine when she heard that? These disciples not doing me a bit of good. I mean, they are really, as it were, against me. The seemingly prejudice. You've come for the Jews and not the Gentiles. That's what Jesus said. The obstacle 
of insult. It seems like Jesus just insulted this woman by calling her, or seemed to call her a little dog, which was very, very uh, insulting to her. Now, Let's look at the reason, I believe, some of the reasons why that was behind Jesus' answers. Now, notice Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The gospel, you see, Jesus, God has a divine plan and a divine order. And the gospel was to go to the Jews first. Look at at what the apostle Paul, even Paul picked up on it. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew, what? That's who he came. He came to the Jews. Oh, it was to go around the world eventually. It was was to go to the Gentiles. Ask the apostle Peter about that. He'll tell you, yes. Call not unclean what I have cleansed, Jesus told him on the rooftop. But Paul said to the Jews first and also for the Greek. And this is what Paul did throughout his ministry. The Apostle Paul's missionary practice in every city was to begin preaching the gospel in the Jewish synagogue, and then he went to the Gentiles. Notice what Jesus tells his 12. Listen to this. We find it in St. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, and he's sending out the 12 to go minister. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the well of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. Now, Jesus made exceptions to, for that because we know he went to the Samaritan woman at the well. But that was the first thing to do. That was the first call that God placed upon Jesus and the disciples was to go to the Gentiles. And so Jesus was just following the Father's orders. Okay? This is a rhetorical statement, I'm sorry. In other words, Jesus is saying to her, tell me why I should help you. She gets the message. It becomes evident as she draws closer to Jesus. Now, it's indicated that she comes to Jesus and the disciples as they were walking along the road. And she was crying out. One translation said she shouted out. She shouted out. Get get serious with God about your need. Now, Lord... I want to come to you today and I want to, oh God. Blind Bartolomeus said, oh, thou son of David. Shut up. Oh, thou son of David. I told you to shut up. Oh, he didn't stop. 
the devil will tell you to shut up and quiet down. You're making too much noise. You're making too much of this. No, you're not. It's time for the church to see the need of crying out to God. Cry aloud and spare not, the prophet said. Come on, church. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're letting their voice, I'm talking about the enemy, the followers of Satan. They're screaming it out, protesting it out. It's time for the church to stand up and say, oh God, stop whispering the need. Call out the need. She was falling along. And she was shouting, one translation said, shouting out. I've told this so many times, it's old, but I'm going to tell it again. One brother was down at the altar crying out to God. Oh, he lifted his voice. He was crying out loud. And one brother next to him was kneeling, praying. He was irritated. I wish to goodness he would stop making so much noise. He reached over and he said, hey, fella, God's not deaf. And he said, no, and he's not nervous neither. <laughs> it's time for the church to make some noise. I'm talking about the right way. There are voices out there, and all you can hear is voices, voices. You cut on your television. Here, here you go. Listen, everybody's got an opinion. And half of them are just as wrong as they can be. Or maybe probably more. Probably more. But she cried out to God. And then when she met with silence and she met with a statement about the dogs, the Bible says she came up to him. She knelt down. And she worshipped. Now how in the world could she do that with all that going on towards her? Because she was not offended. Notice. Notice. Look, let's go down to number three. She did not get offended. She came with humility. She humbly accepts silence and insult with faithful trust. Can I say that again? She humbly met silence with faithful trust. She was not undeterred. Now here's, here's a good message for the church. She herself was persistent. She worshiped God even in the absence of an answer. Well, when I get the answer, I'll worship God. You better worship God before the answer. And sing the old song. Oh, yes, the answer's on the way. This I know. Jesus said it. I believe it. And it's so. My heavenly Father knows the need before I pray. And you can rest assured the answer's on the way. Praise Him before the answer comes. And then the answer will come. Maybe not like you want it. But it will come. The answer will come. Let me finish number two. 
Number two, it is not right. Look at number two under number two. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the little dogs. The dogs he is referring to are part of the family, not the savager dogs on the street, part of the household. These that were in the house, and I don't know if y'all have house dogs or not. You don't have to tell me. Some of y'all have house dogs. Now, maybe you let those dogs gather around you while you're eating at the table. And your wife won't let you feed those dogs from that table. But you'll sort of knock some off so they can get a hold of it. Huh? The Jews were not like that. They had house dogs, but nobody, but nobody fed those dogs while they were eating. They had to wait. And Jesus said, we're coming to you Gentiles. We're going to see your mom and daddy saved. We're going to see your children set free and healed. But you got to wait a little while. you got to wait a little while. And boy, they waited. We waited and we got it. We were grafted in, you and I. We were grafted in. He loved us. God, this moves me. When he refers to her as a dog, Jesus is not using the disparaging term. I want you to know that. These PhDs that said that he was putting her down, they're wrong. They need to understand what Jesus was saying. They need to understand why he was saying. And they need to understand it got the job done. I think one of the things that Jesus was doing was testing this woman. I think he was testing. Hey, let's see. Let's see. I'm going, to get, I'm going to hush. I'm going to get to the conclusion. Jesus often put stumbling blocks, as it were, in the way to see if people had faith to step over them. I, I do think, and there's probably not a one of us here today, that at one time or the other, that he did not put a stumbling block to see, hey, I'm not going to let that stop me. Step right over and keep on going. Step right over. Let me, let, me, let me give you just a few examples. There was a blind man, and Jesus put spit on the ground, <clears throat> put clay in his eyes, and he said, go wash in the pool. Are you kidding me? He's blind? Come on. What a challenge to a blind man. But he got healed. He came forth seeing. Amen. There were ten lepers. They stood afar off. And they cried out to Jesus to heal them. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Now he had the power to heal them right there. But he wanted them to do something. He honored the law. At that time, because that was what Deuteronomy, it was one of the Old Testament books said they needed to do was to go show themselves to the 
priest. One of the greatest stories in the Bible is the story of Lazarus. Jesus was a distance away. They sent to Jesus and said, the man whom you love is, is sick. Jesus tarried a little while longer. Then they came and said, hey, Lazarus is dead. Of course, he comes to where they are, and Martha comes out. Lord, if you'd been here, he'd be alive today. Oh, if, 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 if. You ever have an if in your life? If he'd been here, he'd be alive. Jesus said, wait a minute. Cool your heels. I mean, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. He got everything ready. He went to the tomb, and he says, roll. No, he didn't say roll. He said, take away the stone. Now, four days, by now he stinketh. Four days. Now, this is a man that walked through walls, came out of the tomb, when he was dead, and he's asking these people to roll the stone away, give me a break. Just say Lazarus come forth and he'll come right through that stone. But Jesus wanted them to do it. It took something in those people for them to roll the stone away because they believe by now he stinketh. Paralytic man led on a cot. Came for Jesus. And Jesus looked down at him and he said, take up your bed and walk. What? You want me? I'm laying on, I can't get. Take up your bed and walk. And you know the story. He wants you and I to exercise our faith and reach out to him, showing trust and confidence and faith in the almighty God. That's what he's looking for. He, and I, he wants you and I to exercise faith, great faith. Notice what I've got at the bottom of your paper all the way down. Look at it. Great faith doesn't depend on having great knowledge. It's acting humbly and persistently on the knowledge we have. Somebody say amen. amen. That's good stuff, Brother Don. You can take that home and put it on your refrigerator. It's just, it's, just, it's just real good stuff. Take up your bed and walk. He went to the synagogue one day, and the Bible says there was a man there with a withered hand. And he'd had it for a long time. With his hand. Here he is. Everybody else has got a normal hand. Hey, how you doing? Got fingers. He's got a withered hand. And it's been that way year after year after year after year. And Jesus stands there and he said, stretch forth your hand. You, <laughs> I'm telling you. Jesus knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing with this Syrophoenician woman, and he knows what he's doing with me and you when we don't see nothing, feel nothing, and we're having a struggle. He knows all about your struggle. He knows about your hurt. He knows when you didn't get what you wanted. He knows about your disappointments. He knows about your oppression and depression. He knows where you are, and he loves you, and he is going to touch your life. 
Amen is a good place to clap. Come on. He knew about Adam one. He knew that man had a withered hand. He's not trying to insult somebody. He's not playing jokes on somebody and tricks. Jesus is following his almighty father. He said, I don't do nothing but that the father <laughs> tells me to do. Nothing. Let me ask you something. I'm going to give the altar call in just a moment. We're fixing to change the order of service and we're going to sing and we're going to gather around the altar. What obstacle are you having to step over this morning? When I give the altar call, it doesn't have to be for the lost. It can be for any need. Let me tell you, the, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say one of the hardest things to overcome. The biggest obstacle you'll have to step over to stand to your feet, come and stand in this altar, is pride. That old stubborn pride. Uh, People's going to think so and so. Who cares what people think about you? It's what God knows about you. It's what God knows about you. He knows everything. He knows every hair that's on your head. And Brother Dan, he don't have to count many on my head as he used to. Boy, I had a thick head of hair. It was black and I was so good looking. I don't know what, Sister Carol, what in the world happened? What in the world happened? Listen, he knows all about you. There's not one thing. He knows where your children are. He knows how often you've prayed for that son. He knows how many times you've wept over that daughter. He knows how many times you've got up and you've ached and you've hurt. He knows the fear when the doctor comes to you and tells you you've only got three months to live. He knows all about it. He's not playing tricks. He knows all about it. But I'm asking you this morning, what obstacle will keep you from moving towards Jesus? You say, Brother Don, I don't have to go to the altar to move toward Jesus. No. You can find him where you're sitting, riding down the highway in the automobile, taking a break at work. When I was doing public work, I'd so often, because I struggled. I really struggled. The struggle I had was with anger. You're talking about being silent. I've given Carol enough silent treatments to for her to be dead. There's not much worse than a husband that won't open his mouth that gives his wife the silent treatment. I went days and wouldn't speak to her. That's awful. Anger will make you do something to hurt people. It will cause you to do something to hurt people. The silent treatment, now Jesus was not doing that out of what I was doing it out of the silent treatment. 
Carol looked at me one day in the bathroom. She said, one day. Because I'd do it, and I'd ask God to forgive me. And, but then I'd turn right around and do it again, and I'd say, God, I'd struggle so hard. I didn't want to be angry. My dad was an alcoholic, and he would hurt my mother physically, and I've watched him almost break her back. I've watched him do all kinds of things to her. And I becomes, became so angry because of alcohol that was in the home. And I struggled with that anger, and I brought it right into my marriage. And she looked at me, she said, one day, I won't take it no more. And I, I knew I was fixing to use the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. I knew I would lose my ministry. I did three things. Three things. I fasted for seven straight days. I was nothing but skinny bones. You're talking about me fasting for seven days, not eating something. Boy, I was skinny. I fasted for seven days. I stood up in the church. Let me tell you, one of the hardest things to do is when you're dealing with anger or a spirit or any of this is to stand up in a congregation and confess publicly what's going on. I ain't going to do that. Well, if it sets me free, I'll do it. Twice I stood up in the congregation and I said, folks, I'm dealing with anger. Pray for me. The biggest thing I did was I became accountable to my pastor. And that was my wife's, my wife's daddy. God, that man was big. You talking about being afraid? Let me tell you something. We weigh 110 pounds soaking wet. Have to go up to a man that looks like a, a fighter or a football player and ask him for his daughter's hand. That's scared. But I went to him and I said, Brother Holder, I got a problem. Okay, deep boy. Okay, Don, what is it? I'm dealing with anger. I said, and I'm going to become accountable to you. And can I call you when I, listen, if, you, if, you deal, if you're dealing with anger, you better not let it go there longer than 30 seconds. If you get angry and let it linger for a minute or two, it's, it's all that you won't do anything about it. As soon as I got angered, that's when I would go to the bathroom at the public place I was and get on my knees and I'd call him. Preacher, are you dealing with anger now? Somebody pulls in front of me, I deal with it. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I still get angry. It don't control me. There's a difference. Probably not one of us at times don't get, she probably gets angry at me. I've never seen her angry as I know her. Never in my 50, 50, 59 years have I seen her angry. But I'm going to tell you something. It is a wonderful thing for something like anger and pride and lust and all the junk the devil has to give to you. It's wonderful. <laughs> Romans tells you about it. Read it. Read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Especially the 8th verse. It's wonderful when you're free.
It's wonderful when you're free. Say amen. amen. Faith may be tested. I love this statement. I'm closing with it. But it will not be disappointed. Faith may be tested, but it will never be disappointed. This woman, Syrophoenician woman, had unshakable faith. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for the example of this precious, precious mother. Thank you that you give us, dear God, the truth of your word. And you show us how to overcome the enemy. How to overcome every stumbling block. How to resist the devil. Submit to God and resist the devil that he might flee from us. Search our hearts here today. Every mom. Every dad. Every mom, every dad, God, we just pray. Hallelujah. That you would touch their lives. That you would minister to them. Put a little shrill on that, Michael. Put it some shrill on it. Oh, higher up a little bit. We ask you, God, in Jesus' name. There you go. To touch each one. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor, I'm struggling. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a Christian. But, Pastor, I'm struggling with some things and I need, I need some help. Just lift your hand. Anyone? God bless you. God bless you. I see the yell. There's some more. Come on, lift your hands. Hallelujah. The power and the presence of God is in this place. The anointing of the Lord is here. Not just to make me feel good. The anointing of the Lord is here to deliver. He said where the anointing of the Lord is, the anointing destroys the yoke. I hear people say the anointing breaks the yoke. It doesn't say it that way, but that's okay. The Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke. And he wants to destroy it. What are we singing, Danny? Danny. Holy Spirit. Sing it. There's nothing more. and tell him
Larry. I was in the back worshiping before pastor asked me to come up this question came into my mind and I want to ask you as you stand in your seats today what stumbling block is keeping you from coming here and getting what you need is it your pride is it you're not good enough God you don't know how bad I've been are you too good I want to challenge you as we start to sing this song again if you're here and you need something from the Lord, yes. reach out. Yes. Pastor said it best, don't let your pride keep you from getting what God has for you. He will set you free. He will set you free. But you have to be willing to reach out. He gave so many great examples of people who could have just left without their miracle but said, no, I will not be denied. So they're going to pray this morning. This altar is open. Yes. And if you're here this morning, there's, we already have some, many of our altar workers are down here. If you need something from God, something's going on in your life, as they begin to sing and lead us back into worship, I want to challenge you to come and stand right here somewhere along this altar and let us pray for you. you see someone up here at the altar praying, I'll ask you to come and pray with them. Please come and pray. Those of you who know the Lord, come and pray. Come and find out what they need and let's pray.
anybody else have a need you don't have to come up if you've got a need and you right where you stand we'll bring somebody back to pray with you where you're at anyone 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 let me get somebody to go back into the sound booth and pray with brother Alex if somebody will go back into the sound booth and pray with Alex anyone else anyone else we're going we're going to they're going to continue to worship we're going to continue to pray and minister around the altar. We thank you for coming and being with us this morning. But if you have a need, don't leave here without talking to someone. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you have never repented of your sin and put your trust in Him, that's our desire today, is that you know Him. So we're going to continue to pray and worship and minister to each other.